0: So, yeah, that's been really um, beneficial for me and to see how Positive shears on the field and we, it, and it, it shows because they've obviously won so much and we haven't won many international games. So we are generally, as a squad, in the past few years have been quite defensive in our mindset where we should rather play games to win and rather not play games to not lose or let too many goals we scored against us. So yeah, from a mental perspective, that's been hugely beneficial to me.
1: Yeah, I think we're so different as well. Like as person that you can like help me with stuff that you are like more chilled or you see differently than I'm like all one frustrated ball more like that and he just like he puts things in perspective for me and I'm like oh you know what actually like it's just a game or it's just hockey.
2: Welcome to the Enrichment Project, Path to Purpose, recorded by the mad talent at Solid Gold Podcast. (laughs) It is a series of unfiltered and insightful conversations with some of the most remarkable purpose-driven human beings who have all achieved, created, inspired, triumphed, or challenged, and we have a great deal to learn from them. It is a quest to uncover and articulate the steps along the way to help you on your own journey of purpose. I am your host, Richard Wright, and I am delighted to have you with me Thank you for the gift of your time. Let's dive straight in. An important thrust of the Path to Purpose season of the Enrichment Project is to ask some big questions about people who share a purpose. Does one plus one equal three? What happens when we see the same fire burning brightly in other humans? Conversations with life partners, business partners, and teams. It's not every day that you get to chat to one Olympian, but when you get to chat to two Olympians and they happen to be in a partnership together, that's a really exciting day for me. So today in the studio, I'm extremely delighted to have Ava Deghuda and Tim Drummond, their respective international hockey captains for their countries. And I'm gonna get into some of the accolades just now, but before we do that, I think we just need to say hi. So Ava and Tim, hi and welcome to the show.
0: Hi Richard. Good morning sir Richard.
2: Fabulous, so nice to have you. So to tell you, the listeners, what I've got in store for you, I'm going to start with Ava because ladies first, right? Um, Ava has three Olympic medals, two golds, one silver, three World Cup medals, two golds, one silver, five times European Cups, three golds, one silver, one bronze, 230 international caps. She's the current captain and she's been awarded the Player of the Year for two years in a row. In fact, the latest one was February 2020. So, wow. How do we top that one? So, welcome. And Thank then you. Tim. Tim is someone I've been extremely fortunate enough to have walked a bit of a journey with. He has also been to the Olympics. It was London, two times World Cups, three common games, five African Cups, 145 international caps, and he's the current South African captain. So, uh, wow. You know, just phenomenal. I'm, I'm in the, the space of something remarkable. And thank you for your time.
0: You're off there, I'm definitely punching well above my weight, but I, I'm very comfortable with punching well above my weight <laughs> in this current partnership I have.
2: <laughs> <wife>. <laughs> Fantastic. Great. And then the two of you got engaged recently.
0: That is true. Um, I decided to throw my big boy pants and dropped the knee almost a year ago. And in, in two weeks time, it'll be a year ago that I my big boy pants.
2: Fantastic. Congrats again. And just so the listeners know where you are, I'm speaking to you today from where?
1: From The Hague. We're both living in Holland at the moment.
2: Right. So Ava, you are born and bred in the Netherlands, right? Yeah. Fantastic. But I think your mom mom hails from elsewhere?
1: Yes, my mom's born in Australia. So I've got a little bit of an Aussie in me. (laughs)
2: Okay, I'm <laughs> saying no. Um, and Eva, just tell me, how did you get into playing hockey?
1: Um, Actually, quite funny because normally in Holland, hockey is quite a big family sport. Only I don't have anyone in my family who plays hockey. So I actually used to play a lot of different sort of sports when I was younger. And when I was about, my mom said, or actually my parents said, like, shouldn't you go and play a team sport as well because I was doing a lot of individual sports, mostly tennis actually. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to try and actually a lot of my friends were going to play hockey. So I was like, okay, I'm just going to try it out. And then in the end, yeah, I was actually quite good at it and I really enjoyed playing in a team.
2: And that was from the age of 10?
1: Yes, that was from the age of 10, yeah.
2: Okay. And and at what point did you realize that this is your thing, that this is your sense of purpose, gives you meaning, the thrill of it? what point was it? okay, this is my thing, this is going to become a career?
1: Um, I think when I was a little bit older, like I said, I just loved to play sport and then ball sports in particular. I love to play tennis. I used to combine tennis and hockey for quite a while until I was, I think, 16 maybe. And then I had to decide if I wanted to yeah, play tennis or hockey. And then for me, yeah, the biggest thing was that I really loved to play in the team and to like share the moments together as a team so that's why i chose for hockey and i think when i was a little bit older maybe like 90, 20 21 when i decided like okay this really is something for me i played in the national team where i got selected for the national squad when i was 17 so i was actually quite young still um and i love to play but i would never like especially not at that age i would yeah, not believe that I would actually could make it my career, even though I was on the highest level. But I was always like, maybe it will end like tomorrow for me because I'm still young and I probably won't be good enough in the end. So I think I was talking like that to myself mostly, maybe to protect myself a little bit as well. But yeah, as you grow older and you're still in the team, then you get more confidence. So I think when I was around 2021, 20, I was like, this really is what this I is want it. and I want to do this as long as possible.
2: Wow. Okay. Now I totally get that from a... My- a self-talk point of view and protecting yourself—it's like, okay, am I, am I still in the team? Yes, I am. Okay, this is good. You know, I, I, I totally <laughs> that. So, I've got a question for you before I move across to Tim, and and that is, I've had some great moments in sport, and I've won age groups, and I've you know, top three in big races, but I've never ever been the best at anything ever. Um, <laughs> how does it feel? I mean, and to hold that, you know, the gold medal in the Olympics, World Cup, Player of the Year. How does that feel? Can you tell me? Being number one, being the best, how does that feel?
1: Yeah, it's just, it's so hard to describe. But for me, it's like, yeah, it's the most amazing feeling ever. I think, especially the prizes and then the golds that we've won as a team, those are the ones that I cherish the most. Because for me, that is what it's all about that we are the best team in the world. Because that's why I started playing hockey, to do everything as a team. And for me, to feel so powerful together and to, yeah, that I'm always able to share those moments with others. Like even in 20 years time, I can always phone one of my old teammates and say, oh, do you remember that tournament or those moments? And I have people to share it with. So yeah, to just work so hard for like years towards one goal and then actually win it. Um, yeah, it is the best feeling in the world. But for me, the ones that we've won as a team are way bigger and more important to me than the one that I have won individually as well.
2: On your own. Okay. Tim, different story. So uh, you were tiny, Tim, when you were little, right?
0: Most people, I <laughs> people when they're little, <laughs> remain tiny. <in> <laughs> no, you
2: were super little. You were super little. I've chatted to your mom, Tim. All in fact, is what so, I think
0: you refer to me as, what my folks okay. when I was
2: more young. Yeah. Wow, okay.
0: They were harsh, but fair. They gave me room to grow
2: <laughs> <laughs> so your very earliest memory of what you wanted to become one day when you grew up, can you remember what that is
0: funny enough i I remember my mom always telling me how I used to watch travel shows and watch and um, there used to be i think channel one seven one on d s t v or some t v network there there was this travel channel and they used to go around certain countries and I used to always. Think that I'd be a journalist or reporting in the journalist from a different country or something so that whole travel led to then aviation and through my grandpa flying in the RAF that has always stuck with me and it was never a policeman or a firefighter or something like that or something towards whether I was going to be reporting live from Bora Bora or flying planes or something like that so that that is that that's yeah that was always a childhood a memory of where I wanted to go. Um, I've sport had nothing to do with
2: that. Yeah. So, my first memory of, of I think it's the first time I met you was uh, I was doing some training in the house, your home, and um, you were busy studying furiously for your private pilot's license. Am I right? I think that's right. That's yeah. And playing hockey at the same time. Right. Okay. And, and the flying now?
0: So the flying is on hold for now. One because I'm broke, and two because it's been a challenge from being here in the Netherlands, where I, in, oh, I, I try to do some research in getting into the KLM flight academy, but I need an EU passport. That's just one of the requirements. But I still currently hold a, a PPL private Flight license, and I, I'm just keeping that sticking over. So when I go, want to go back home now in December, I'll do a few, just a few flights to stay, stay current with that license. And that license is lost, it's valid for for 10 years. So if I can keep that going, then I will. But it's, yeah, I need a commercial license to earn any money from flying as a maker of a career.
2: Sure. Okay.
0: So I can fly you to your races around South Africa, Rich, but you won't be able to pay me any
2: <laughs> <races>. Thanks, Tim. <laughs> um, and so, and from a sporting point of view, so I know that you, you've you always been extremely talented. There's a bit of rugby, even though you were a little bit smaller than the average. And then cricket. Cricket was something that you were really good at. I think cricket is, you know, this dream of becoming a national sportsman and it was going to be cricket. And then what happened?
0: Yeah, so with my old man playing a bit of cricket, that has always been and family. And I can you know, strongly remember playing backyard cricket with my brother where the pitch was maybe about three meters long and he would come off for maybe 20 meter run up okay. to try and ball and knock my head off. So those are some, some great memories. But yeah, from, from primary school into high school, I, I thought, yeah, cricket was going to be a career. I got, I spent a lot of time with it. Some of my folks dropped me off at training sessions and net sessions and driving me all over the country to play cricket games. And then, yeah, after school, I, I kept going with it for about three or four years and just unfortunately couldn't crack it. Couldn't get big enough scores to get into a provincial setup or to try and get a provincial contract. And then at the time it was between cricket and hockey and hockey was affording me the opportunity to travel and to also experience incredible events such as the olympics or world cups or commonwealth games and i was really enjoying my hockey and then just decided to to pursue that and that led me to playing club hockey around the world to try and improve my game and get better at it and yeah here i am in holland still playing for hopefully at least a year and a half to go or a year
2: fantastic and you've been south african hockey captain for as long as i remember
0: Yeah, I think it's been four years now. I'm not too sure. Okay, I need to actually have a (laughs) fact check there. Okay, I'll I'll get my
2: secretary onto that. So, (laughs) something I want to touch on here, which I think is really important, is I know some of the struggles from a South African hockey point of view. Right, you're a professional athlete, both of you professional athletes, um, and one would imagine that you are, you know handsomely paid to be a professional athlete, especially if you're playing for your country. But now you've just told me that you're broke. Can, can you explain that?
0: Well, one, I'm broke because of my partner's spending habits <laughs> and shopping sprees. And if there was an Olympics for shopping, between her and my old, I mean, my, my mother, she would definitely win gold. She would be <laughs> a side race, I think. She's <laughs> No, it's, it's hockey in South Africa, unfortunately, is definitely an amateur sport. We're doing our best to make it as professional as possible. So, for the last or oh, forever since I've been involved, we've had to pay for tournaments, we've had to pay to represent our country, um, which is just something we've dealt with, and we're trying to change that situation at the moment. And yeah, we've said as a group, as a national squad, that it's going to require a big results. And whether it's at the Olympics where we make a quarterfinal or a semi final, even if we go and we do something incredibly special where we can yeah, win a medal, then yeah, that's what we feel is required to then. To get a sponsor or someone to support us financially and yeah it's entirely up to us we we said it's not going to be an excuse that we have to sacrifice this much to meet up together to train together or to pay Um, and we've had over this lockdown period as a national squad we've had quite a few zoom calls and and meetings as a group just saying what's required and all of those requirements interesting enough come from ourselves there's there's that cliche of yeah control the controllables but it's entirely there was nothing about uh, a lack of funding or financial issues it was all about how can we be better, how can we improve our basics how can we connect better and be more cohesive as a squad so yeah it's exciting it's exciting for us that we've got this opportunity as a group and hopefully next year happens with the Olympics that we can do something special
2: so uh, to me that's incredibly admirable so here's this something that you extremely good at, surrounded by a bunch of very, very motivated team players, um, very little funding, you have to get to practices, you having, I would imagine everybody's got some kind of job that they're doing on the side. Um, to support themselves, and still you've got this drive to win medals and to represent your country and just to get better at this thing. And that's that's amazing. And that really is the power of purpose. When you find that thing that lights your fire inside, the obstacles somehow, you know, you focus on the goal, and that's what the goal is. And that's exactly what I'm hearing from you is that there are obstacles, but more than anything else, the obstacle is what goes on between your head, you know, two ears, and it's cohesive team spirit saying, we know where we want to go, and that's it.
0: Yeah, spot on. And ugh, with everything, with business, with life, everyone will have their own obstacles. And it's up to us how big we want to make those obstacles. We can minimise them and make them a little bit smaller to then jump over. Or we can make them completely huge so we have to go around. Or, but it's, it's entirely up to us. And yes, we're going to need a few bit of, bit of luck along the way. And maybe yeah, we have to work things out, uh, take the longest work things out. Like we have, half of our squad are based in Europe or the UK and half are base back home. But then, yeah, like you said, it's, it's communication. It's just working it out and not being part of the problem, but just being part of the solution and, and
2: making it work. Fantastic. Spoken like a true captain, too. Um Ava, just from from your <laughs> side, your journey is completely different, right? Mm. Can you tell me a bit about that? From this? yeah, it
1: is completely different. Yeah. Um,
0: we have more medical stuff, than we have. <laughs> <staff> <laughs> in <general>. Wow! Wow! <laughs>
1: Yeah, no, I think it is very different for us compared to the South African men, I think the ladies as well. But yeah, it does put some things in perspective for me. If I hear the stories um from Tim about what hockey is like in South Africa, I think then we are very professional actually here. We don't really play hockey in schools here. Everyone plays for a club team. So even when you're younger, as kids, you can already start playing hockey here when you're I think even like when you're four nowadays um the little ones but everyone goes to clubs so you go to school and then after school you go to your club to play tennis or play hockey or we have everything at clubs that's why the club system is so big here we have clubs where we have like six seven eight astro tours so a lot of hockey fields which is amazing and i think the support that we have here especially when you play on the highest level is like yeah huge everything is so well arranged if you travel we don't have to pay anything ourselves um, wow. even sometimes when we go out for dinner during a tournament or when we have a training camp you get money so you can pay for your dinner like that sort of stuff it's so different compared to yeah what they have and what they do oh. so yeah we're very lucky with all the support that we get and actually a lot of the girls in my team some do study and some don't some work and some don't but we know that hockey is our number one so if you have to play everything else is like number two or even lower on the list so everything is full for the hockey and if you play in a national team here you can't live overseas because you have to be here to train. Holland is of course it's quite small so we are able to train a lot together and yeah that's what we do as well so it's pretty much full time for us.
2: That's a stark, stark difference, and, and yeah, it that is. even so, so you know, hats off to you and those accolades and the medals. I mean, that, that just I can understand how that happens, but as you say, it makes me have even more respect for Tim and the South African team that they can get to the level they're at with what they've got to contend with. So, wow! Again, it's purpose at the end of the day.
1: That's incredible, yeah. Yeah, I completely agree. Yeah,
2: you've made it this far probably because the topic resonated with you. If you're wondering what the show is all about, listen to the trailer at the start of the season and find out how this show is going to help you along your own path to purpose. You've stumbled on a project that is all about purpose. Find out why the guests are all so vastly different, but yet all have so much in common. Hop on board this journey with me, follow the Enrichment Project so that you don't miss out on a single episode and share it with, well, everyone. We are all looking for more meaning in our lives. If the show speaks to your identity or the identity of your brand, consider sponsoring a season. Let's make the circle bigger. Back to the episode and thanks for listening. So what I want to ask both of you as captains of your respective teams is... From a purpose point of view, the players that have got tons of talent but just somehow don't make it or maybe don't want it enough or just don't fit into the team vibe, is that a thing or is it is not really?
0: No, it, it definitely is from outside and it's all, yeah, we hear it thrown around nowadays like culture and team culture and what team identity is and, and it's something, a sense of belonging. And if I find that someone is doesn't value the environment they're in, then then I think they might go a separate way. and that's what's so important for us as captains to try and get everyone to be so clear on what their role is and what the value they bring to the team and what they contribute and i even got a situation with i'm just when you mentioned this question now what happened last night of training in our, in our club environment i've got a, a young player who is so gifted and talented but his attitude wise is it doesn't uh resemble his talent and he doesn't listen he doesn't partake in real team culture of it and it's going to be a journey for me i'm not captain of my club side but yeah i feel responsible for trying to get this teammate of mine to just buy into what we as a group are all about and i feel once that triggers in his mind that yeah the, the greatest team environment is way more important than him maybe looking good on a sunday during a match day then it's gonna it's gonna really improve his game and help the team
2: Oh, that makes a lot of sense. I guess it's that whole principle of um us comes before me, um and putting your ego aside.
0: Yeah, and yeah. Definitely
2: okay. Um, Avi, your experience from that point of view?
0: Yeah,
1: I think it's similar with us as well. It is definitely you have to put the team above yourself, if that's a correct way to say mm-hmm. it. Um yeah, so it literally is. We have said it once as well, that it is like you either fit in or you fuck off to say it like that. So that's Actually, what we always do, like you fit into in the team, and if it doesn't work, then it doesn't work. It doesn't matter how talented you are, or how great you think that you are. You have to fit in the team, and otherwise, it's not for you. And
2: that is the power of the team. Pretty cool. Yes.
1: Yeah. Yeah, Exactly.
2: Okay. So let's bring it down to the two of you. So amazing to find somebody with that same fire burning inside. Amazing to find somebody who has a shared purpose, who is as obsessed with the same thing that you are. But I would imagine that comes with some challenges you play for respective teams you're traveling around the country you know whose needs come first different times i would imagine are there struggles tell me a little bit about that
0: uh, i think we're fortunate in the way that we some,
2: have... some very sorry, some very ginger <laughs> like looks, looks across like um, okay what can i say what can i say <laughs> no no thinking
0: about that rich i think we do have a level of understanding where if ever gets back from a long day of training or competition or something and she's just exhausted and wants to lie on the couch and I've done nothing the whole day and I have energy then there's an understanding that I know what she's going through or I know what she's experienced that if she's just run 40 million shuttles and this and she's having to deal with 20 players then there's full sympathy from our side with how she's feeling and I think that is what I've noticed with other partners or couples where the one just doesn't get the work that goes in on the training field or in the business environment, they come home and try and understand that. So that's hugely important for us that we can understand and we sympathize with what's happened in the sporting side of things. Um you've been there. I think yeah, so we've been there and we I I get it. And she gets it when I've had a terrible training or things just haven't gone well. But then we try and not let it linger on at home for too long. If we do discuss it then it's firm discuss it and move on or straight away get into a Netflix or some form of series, and and just relax and try not to bring it home, and and let it linger or on. For, yeah, yeah. Too long. I would imagine also it, it mm-hmm. must be
2: quite quite cool to have somebody who is an expert looking on from the outside of the field, who can really look at things you know from a professional expert point of view and offer some suggestions or help. Or is that not helpful?
1: Yeah, yeah definitely.
0: <laughs> yeah, i have got one of one of the best giving me pointers and giving me advice, and we have. We have different ways of or uh, very similar ways of, of how the game should be played, but completely some different ideas and that's definitely helps. So where I would think of a situation and how to maybe attack on the field, she would give me another point of view and how she does it. And you attack. Yes. Attack. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's been really um, beneficial for me and to see how positive she is on the field and we it and it, it shows because they've obviously won so much and we haven't won many international games so we are generally as a squad in the past few years have been quite defensive in our mindset where we should rather Uh. play games to win and rather not play games to not lose or let too many goals be scored against us so yeah from a mental perspective that's been hugely beneficial to me yeah yeah
1: i think we're so different as well like as persons that you can like help me with stuff that you are like more chilled or you see differently than i'm like all one frustrated ball more like that and he just like he puts things in perspective for me and i'm like oh you know what actually like it's just the game or it's just talking there like yeah you're actually right And i can get so like was that, was that recorded
2: right? <laughs> <laughs> it was recorded, was that recorded? <laughs> so so help me out so that's exactly down, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so help me out here just so i understand a little bit i know that you play different positions in your respective teams right yeah so so Avery, you you what position right. do you play'm
0: a midfield slash uh free defender sort of. we're both free defender for our oh, national yeah. squad
2: okay True. so you're controlling a lot of the flow of the game, yes which is obviously a re- really good what position try to do. <laughs> <laughs> what you' trying to do which is obviously a great position to be from a captain' point of view right so you you're controlling the flow you're looking see overview idea of what's going on in the field, or is
0: that not always possible yeah, it
1: know. is, yeah, I think you're correct in saying that, yeah.
0: Yeah, Mm. I agree. No, definitely. Yeah, it's definitely a position which, yeah, you do have, you do receive a lot more ball and you do have an opportunity to influence how the team plays.
2: Okay, fantastic. Um, So one thing I didn't mention earlier, I don't want to let this opportunity slide by, is that I've met a lot of, been fortunate to meet a lot of really top sports people in my life. And there's a very stark difference between the ones who are extremely good, but know they're extremely good and have the attitude to match and others that are extremely good, but yet stay exceptionally humble and down to earth and accessible. And both of you are exactly that. And that's it's always been ever since the first time I met you and Tim always it's the thing I think I've admired most about you, is your ability just to be you, to stay you, authentic, professional, but authentic and real and accessible with zero attitude. And I just want to acknowledge that. That's an amazing thing.
0: Thank you, sir. Thank you. Yeah, we're both fortunate to have parents who haven't thoughts some solid values and morals in us, and we will be the first to call out each other if we feel that, yeah, this is you completely off the mark there, or if you're over the top and, and bring it down to it. So, yeah, we've been, we've been lucky in that sense.
2: Oh, I really enjoy that. And Tim, obviously your mom was a hockey coach, right?
0: Yes, hockey coach, hockey player. Um, yeah, huge fan of the game and tries to watch all our games.
2: So the coaching ethic as well?
0: Yeah, okay. yeah. No, even though you might see her chatting to someone during a game, she's... Definitely got one eye on the game. He's i think.
2: missing nothing. But well, I remember the last time I saw <laughs> you play, and, and as Ava was talking about that, as a eight or ten different AstroTurf fields, um, one club, and the last time I saw you was a Randberg Astro. <laughs> That's one <laughs> AstroTurf, and everybody plays in it. One That's Astro. it. It's just one. Um, but it was an amazing feeling yeah. just to watch you play and, and to, to have you represent, and it's just quite something. So I can only just imagine how proud both of your parents are of you. So I want to ask another question and this is a big one. So both of you, is a rarefied existence of being at the top of the pile in your countries and being captains and, and that's phenomenal. But at some point in time that ends, right? And what happens then? What happens to the sense of, wow, and I've chatted to one or two people who have retired from international Ironman and at the top of their game and then they leave Ironman and it's hard because you know, you, you are recognised, you are celebrated, and all of a sudden somebody else is there getting the limelight, and you've moved on. And what's next? Tell me what comes next.
0: Yeah, for us in South African men's setup, we are fortunate in the way that we know it's an amateur environment, so we are of We continually pursuing studying or career or something to support ourselves after hockey. Um, hockey just can't support us, um, so that's where really we're fortunate that. As hockey's finished, you just hopefully transition straight away. That doesn't mean that the challenges of, uh, routine and all of these, this competitive environment that we've been in for so long, that definitely hasn't fixed. And yeah, I think mentors are hugely important in that transition and to help you transition from the, the high-stake environment of an elite athlete to go into whatever career you're going into. And I think you'll be incredibly fortunate if you can leave on your own terms. Obviously, I've got a lot of friends who have left on on terms that, yeah, that they didn't plan or whether it was injury or just didn't get selected. So we're fortunate that we are going to try and give Olympics a go and then reassess from there. But yeah, that transition period is something where I feel we really need to seek advice and, and be vulnerable with people that we trust and say, hey, how did you do, what solutions work for you? And do you have any advice for me going forward? Because... Yeah, it's definitely, well, I'm fully aware that it's it's something, the sporting career is a very short space of time and it it doesn't define us or especially doesn't define us as people. It's something that, yeah, we're really privileged to be involved and included in the sporting environment we are for now. And, yeah, if we can, it's a really small part of our lives in the next chapter. We've got goals, whether it's together or starting a family or going forward, we've got our own goals. And I think if we can keep having those goals going forward, then... There's no low period, there's no, oh, uh, what if now or what's happening. Um, so, yeah, it's something that we've we discussed in quite a bit as a couple, as a partnership um, of late, and yeah, we just hope that it is a transition period that just goes smoothly and there will be dips naturally. There will be some some really low moments because we will miss it. But I think if we can strive to leave on our own terms, then that's a incredibly fortunate situation.
2: Yeah. Um, thank you, a great answer. Um, and Tim, for you, do you see hockey in the future and still staying in the game or still staying a part of that? Or is it, is there some sort of cognitive, I'm going to shift away from that into something else, whether it's a pilot, whether it's another career somewhere else?
0: I definitely think I will shift away. I'll definitely also then, on the contrary, say that I'll be giving back in some form, whether it's I'll be staying involved, whether it's foundation work or development of the game in South Africa or with I'm in here in Holland and growing the game because I know how much it has given to me and my last sort of 12 years as a South African player I've been yeah very very fortunate less to have the game give me so many relationships and so many experiences so yeah I will definitely be supporting hockey in some form of way I can't see myself going into a coaching role or coaching environment so if it's an advisory role I think I would enjoy that, but I'm also looking forward to say, okay, that was an incredible chapter, and I'm quite excited about going to something else, to something. Yeah, I'm also someone who also likes to to have a few Zepra. things step around, step around. I like to um, keep myself interested with yeah a few projects.
2: Okay, and Eva, for you?
1: Um, I think I'm a little bit similar, even though I wouldn't say that I would definitely like step away from hockey. I really like enjoy the game so I would maybe yeah not really coaching role per se but I like I do love the tactics I do like that sort of stuff about hockey as well so maybe more like an assistant role or a manager's role like however I can still be involved I would maybe in the end maybe not straight after I retired but maybe a little bit later just because I love the sport yeah so much I find it It's a great sport. So and like Tim said, it is amazing to in the end to be able to give something back to the sport that you have loved so much. Because you give a damn.
2: I dig that.
0: Yes. So, so, (laughs) So leading on from that.
2: And and I know that a lot of people look at professional athletes or full time athletes some you keep on telling me amateur, but anyway, um, full-time athletes, international athletes, and it seems, oh wow, you, you, know, you don't have work, it's, it's really easy, so cool, what do you, you, know, you train a bit, you lie on the couch the rest of the day, what do you do? Um, and I know it isn't like that. I know that from a self-discipline point of view, it's some days incredibly hard to do this physical thing, the days you're tired, the days you might be carrying a slight injury, but you need the self-discipline be- because that's what you do, it, it is your job. Can you talk to me a little bit about that?
0: Yeah, it definitely requires about this thing. You know that from 1st experience, but I think as much as it's physical, it's a lot to do with mental and emotional, the older I've got through my career. And I take an example from the Olympics and there's a post-Olympic depression that gets thrown around with the athletes because you're in such an incredible, uh, high adrenaline environment for two weeks where you have a food all open 24 hours a day, you have Medical care. I had a root canal down at the London Olympics and um, you have, you're just in such a, this is your peak and your pinnacle and not too much is discussed about the emotional side of it and the mental side of it as an elite sportsman. And more and more, I feel it's, it's coming out of the last few years that people are being vulnerable and discussing it. But yeah, so much goes into it where it's sort of unnoticed and yeah, that's uh that's that awareness of the mental and emotional side of it. I think we, as a national squad, are discussing that more, and, and guys are feeling a bit more comfortable to say, "Hey, I'm actually going to go to a psychologist now and just chat about it and solve a situation I have there." Because yeah, we know everyone's dealing with problems, and then we'll see straight away his mood will change, and he'll come onto the training pitch and he'll be a completely different player. So yeah, that's what we're really encouraging in our squad at the moment.
2: Oh, great. Yeah, it is like that. I mean, we call it post-Ironman blues. You've got this finish line, mm-hmm. and everything in your life is geared towards this finish line. Your whole life is geared towards that thing. It absorbs you completely. Mm-hmm. Then you cross the line, you get the medal, the a celebration, day after, the finishes party, and then it's like, okay, what next? You know, <laughs> what, what do I fill my yeah. life with? Yeah, so I totally, totally get that. Obviously, not at the same level and the pressure of an Olympics, but, um, you yeah, it's a real thing. And, How do you deal with that, Rich? Um... I just got fat and unfit and didn't do anything for, for weeks on end, <laughs> so, so it is hard, you know? And it's one of the questions I wanted to ask Ava earlier is, okay, so you, you, you're the best in the world, you've won gold medal, amazing, best in the world, and then you start from scratch again. And the pressure, there must be so much added pressure to, you know, we had top performers for the last Olympics, now we're going to the next one with all the pressure on us, all the eyes on us, and somehow we've got to perform again. And I think there's a lot of added pressure there. But it is, for me, it's the goals. So the smaller goals along the route. So straight off to an Ironman, it's finding another race, finding something to fill that gap. That's been very important for me. But then also it's been, the, okay, what can I fill my life with now? That some of the rewards, some of the things that I wasn't able to do, maybe more family time, maybe some you know, more sort of gardening things or reading or whatever it is that you enjoy, the hobbies, that comes in afterwards. And it really is a nice space to be able to enjoy that and to eat what you want to and just try and chill. But I think it's just to recognize that that, again, is, is a season and to figure out early on how you're going to transition into the next season again. That's what's worked for me. Eva, tell us about starting from scratch again after Olympic gold or a World Cup gold.
1: Yeah, I think for us it's sort of easy because we, well, like you said, you let go first. So you do a lot of other things that you haven't been able to do for the past like two, three, four years, maybe. And that really helps. And then there's always like that we start again with our club. So you sort of like, Come home from the big stage and you can play at your club and just be you, and it's all chilled and warm and nice to play for your club. So I think that sort of like warm place is always there for you, which really helps where there is no pressure yet and you can just play and be you. And then I must say, after the Olympics in Rio in 2016, I made the decision before the Olympics, I think maybe eight months before, that I actually. Was going to South Africa for a year, um, so just to let go of the really professional sport and then, yeah, see what I wanted to do. I didn't feel great mentally because I was injured already for the, yeah, two years, three years before the Olympics happened, and I just couldn't get rid of that injury. It was bothering me. That's why I mentally didn't feel great as well. And I decided, okay, I'm gonna try and go for these Olympics. But then after that, it's done for me. It was a bit scary as well because. Yeah, you sort of make a decision to step out of the whole professional side of it. And then, yeah, you have all these questions like, will I even get back? Do I even want to get back? How will I feel after? So that was all quite scary. But then in the end, it was the best decision for me now looking back on it that I've ever made because, yeah, I came back stronger. I enjoyed it again and I just love playing. So I think it's, yeah, it definitely is a struggle to start again after such a high but then for me I've done it before so I know that it can work and you can do it. Um, It is addictive as well so you know like and especially because we have won uh, a few times as well that you know like okay we can do this again and we want to do it again. That really helps for me too. But I really needed that year break in 2017 actually.
2: I think that's with anything purpose driven that you get so sucked in by this thing and a lot of the self discipline comes mm. naturally because you're just so in it you know so a lot of people ask me about self discipline how can i improve my self discipline and the first question i say is well, why aren't you why doesn't that come naturally why are you having to force that or push that why are you having to drive your willpower i don't think you want this thing enough When the level of discomfort gets high enough, Mm. we change things. Or when we want it enough, then somehow we find it. So that's a different conversation to have. And that really is about the purpose is why are you doing this thing? What does it mean to you? And if it means enough to you, Mm. then the the self-discipline comes naturally. But yes, you're right we get so sucked in that there's a time we we need to take the foot off the gas. And whether it's an entrepreneur, businessman, captain of industry, captain of teams, whatever it is, is taking your foot off the gas and actually coming up for air, I think is really, really important. So, you know, hats off to you. Kudos, that Mm -hmm. must be quite a tough decision to make, especially coming off after a high like that. And as you say, it does, it makes us Mm -hmm. stronger. Every time we get back up again, we rise stronger and more resilient. So yeah, hats off to you. So I've got one last question for you Mm -hmm. and I could chat forever. So if you had to give somebody advice, somebody who's feeling a little bit purposeless, they haven't quite found that thing, their thing, they want to dive in, but they're they're holding back because their idea of purpose is this this being a captain of an international team or being, you know, going to the Olympics and somehow it's, okay, what is the trajectory between there and here, you know, and I think the purpose is that it's tiny little things that just start somewhere, but what would your advice be?
1: I find it so hard because i was actually saying to teach like i'm not even sure if i have a purpose like if i really think about it for me it is like i just i really love the game and if i go back to as a kid like why did i start playing hockey it was because my friends were going to play and i wanted to try it and then i just fell in love with hockey and i fell in love why did i fall in love with it it was because i love to play together as a team and of course i love play with a ball and with the stick because I really like the game already. I like to play the passing game. I like to do little skills, like all of that I love about hockey. So I think for me, if you find that passion that you love something so much that you, yeah, you want to live for it. That's what you want to do. Then I've tried to just sort of like break it down as in, why did I start playing as a kid? Because I just, like, I loved it. And that is for me sort of why I'm still playing, because I still love to do it. So
2: this, this is really important. And you've hit something, you've hit the nail on the head here. So one of the steps in the path to purpose is research your obsessions. So I've identified that we all have these things that we become obsessed about, we fall in love with. And for a lot of people, it's the idea of, Mm -hmm. but I don't know that I can make money from this thing. So there's Tim. I don't think I can make money from this thing I'm obsessed about and really, really good at and love. Well, you know, I'm going to go along the journey and perhaps there are going to be other things. So that's slightly different, but I might be a gamer and I might really, really love gaming. I was a Clash of Clans, massive Clash of Clans fan. I have four different devices in front of me and... I'm not going to make money from that, but I've got to figure out why is it that I love this thing so much? Why is it that I don't go to bed? Why is it that I'm still in my pajamas at two o'clock in the afternoon because I've just been playing Clash of Clans? What is that? So I think for you, going to the next level, this is something that's going to, I'm going to follow with interest. So Headspace, I would love to get into with you is, there's a lot of that stuff that you've brought out now. I love the game because it's team. I I love the passing, I love the interactions, I love that. So how do we take this thing on the other side of hockey into the next thing. So you might say, I don't think I found my purpose. Well, I'm gonna disagree. I think we need to look at purpose differently. We need to reframe it. And purpose really is what gives me meaning, what gives me joy, what makes me feel happy. That is purpose in itself, something bigger than myself, which is why you're the captain of the team. I can tell you that now. So how do we take that stuff and apply it to wherever we want to go? Because that is the stuff that makes you feel that. And to replace that feeling is going to be the trick going forward. And I think that's the key. So I really, really dig that answer. Mm. It's a great answer. And trust me, you've got purpose in abundance right now. Um, You really do. Even if you don't (laughs) name it that. So thank you. I appreciate that. Do you
0: have any tools for that? Any tools? To try and uh, assist the people to replace that purpose or... Besides just trying to just go for it and so
2: it. so that's exactly what these interviews about and and thank you, thank you for asking Tim so there's a book that's going to come from these interviews and the book is called the path to purpose and we're going to follow sort of six steps along that journey and the first is identifying the things that make you feel happy give you meaning make you feel joy. Just identify those things, whatever they are. And you might not think that that is your ultimate purpose in life or that's going to lead towards purpose, but it's little steps along the way. So it's that and then researching your obsessions. And then, and I didn't ask you that question and we've run out of time a little bit, but the next step is to implement your eulogy. So if I told you both that you had 12 months to live um, and there are two things. Number one, what would you fill your time with in, in the last 12 months of your life? And number two, what would you want people to say about you when you're no longer here? In 12 months' time, that eulogy, that person that stands up and talks about you, what would you want them to say? And what that really is, is is those are objectives, those are goals. These are the things I still want to become. Because very few of us are ready to say, okay, I'm ready to die now. And you can just, whatever you, you can tell people that I was, you know, an international hockey player and I was tim's fiance or i was Ava's fiance and oh, i'm cool there. i'm a good human being you know and and those are amazing things for people to say about you but you know what would that be and that's part of the path to purpose is where do you want to go what do you most want to be remembered for so i'm going to finish this interview off by asking both of you what that would be what do you most want to be celebrated or remembered for ultimately
0: very much we've actually had that discussion about the unity rich and I've done one and Ava fears doing one just because of the thought of it, I think, and maybe me passing away or myself having to do one. So I'd like to hear her answer.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I've never read yours.
0: You never read mine. I think I've. Did you write it down? No, I've written it down here. I Uh haven't sent it to you. Or you didn't want it to be. You didn't want to read it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I find it so hard.
0: It is. It's extremely hard. Yeah. I don't know. I thought it was. It was quite easy when I did it in a way because it gave me so much perspective. It was like, okay, hockey is not everything. And where at that time I was convinced that what I was dealing with within hockey was just consuming me and I was getting stressed out and there was anxiety over certain things and maybe going to Olympics or something. And then I remember doing this exercise about the eulogy and it really did simplify what I wanted to stand for and what was really driving me and like you say, my purpose. And it was about us having building a family, however that happens, or and then seeing how that family grows, and then getting to an age where we can both sit back and be sipping cocktails somewhere, or doing something where we are comfortable that we've led our children in the right way, and they are then able to to live a life that they would like to live through our guidance. But it really did simplify like that. It was something where I started off like. Tim hates attention straight away, I want someone to read that out and he also wants to make sure that this memorial or function is a party and it must be a celebration and there must be tequila flowing around everywhere and it was a fascinating exercise and yeah, I would encourage all your listeners out there to, to do the exercise and yeah to discuss it and, and go and depth it because it really for me it did simplify what was important and yeah. what mattered, where you do spend your time.
2: So, for me, it was slightly easier, obviously, when somebody tells you you've got six months to live, you go there, you really do go there, mm-hmm. and you you know you've got very little time left, so that was a gift. And then that was in solidifying what I want to do. And that's when I resigned from the job I had before and said, okay, that's it. I want to go enrich people's lives and, and just add mm. value. That's what means something to me, right? So that sense of purpose is huge. And that's why we're chatting. It's amazing. And that's part of that is trying to help other people with theirs. And that's exactly why we're having mm. this chat. So Ava, I'm going to let you off the hook, but only here. You- yes. Yeah. We are still going to have a chat about this one because I think it's important, especially in terms of where you are right now, because there is that transition and there is that what comes next and to try and define what that is. I think that's big. So we're going to chat more,
1: but just as I agree. Good. I'll send you mine. Good. Yeah, please do. Thank you. I
0: would you. say, Rich, though, that with that, it does require a great sense of and a great deal of bravery. Like you, yes. you've been there, so you know that actually I have to do this because I've got six months to live. But for someone who goes, i'm actually healthy i don't think something's going to happen around the corner i'll just carry on blah blah it's blah, comfort blah. Zone. go through the motions yeah comfort zones and exactly and you can step out there and actually just go oh, actually i'm going to be super brave in this environment as of from today and work to the plus one and going yeah, today i'm going to make one step closer towards where i want to go and not leave it until monday or leave it until there we go another day and if you want to be the fittest in the world or fittest hockey player not going to happen tomorrow, but I'm going to do some shuttles today that's going to contribute maybe next year to being the first hockey player or something. So we
2: just got to start. And I think it's, it's that thought that says, I think mm. it was Kennedy or Roosevelt, one of them, that said that we overestimate how much we can accomplish in 12 months and we underestimate how much we can accomplish in three years. And that's so true. Three years or five years. It's just, it's those little incremental little things, little things. And you get it from being elite sports people. It, it's repetitively um, doing those little things. It's, Growth, in fact, the word is, oh man, it's that black hole around in space. It's a, oh, it's eluded me. Listeners, you can go and look at a black, black hole where all these little particles, one particle on their own, that means nothing. But all of them together, billions and billions, make something substantial. And that's exactly what it is. And purpose is very much that. It's these little things that we put on top, accretion. The word is accretion. So it's, it's accretion is the building of these little things, these little layers that ultimately become something big. So from me, I just want to say thank you to both of you for your time. Thank you for this chat. I have gained something from it. I really hope that you listening have too. Two remarkable human beings who are just total menshes at the same time. Humble, extremely talented, common purpose, individual purpose. Thank you so much for your time and your insights.
1: Thank you for having us.
0: Yeah, thank you so much, Rich. And thanks for being such an inspiration yourself. Um, yes. you got a huge following and a huge backing and yeah, you inspire and influence so many people. So it's been a privilege to share your time. Thank you. Thank you both.
2: Cheers. Cheers. Thank you for staying right to the end of the episode and for joining me on The Enrichment Project. Before you go, Please share this episode with your friends and your colleagues. They will thank you, I'm sure. Remember that you can catch each Path to Purpose episode by watching on YouTube or, if you prefer, on your favorite podcast app. The link to my book, The Power of Purpose, is in the show notes. Please go and check it out. It's a rad account of my own story of purpose and resilience and my fight against brain cancer. I finished six full Ironman events a number of multi-stage mountain bike races, nine Ironman 70.3 races, including the Ironman World Championships, and a bunch of other endurance events, all with stage four brain cancer, because I wanted it that badly, and getting to the finish line meant that much to me. As a professional inspirational speaker, business and life coach, author and storyteller, I'd love to add more value to you or your organization. Please find more details on my website, IamRichardWright.com and book me today for a live or virtual keynote, a masterclass, workshop or coaching session or please follow my journey on Facebook, IamRichardWright, Twitter, The Right Rich, Instagram, IamRichardWright or on LinkedIn. I'd love the opportunity to enrich your team. Thank you to the professional crew at Solid Gold Podcasts for the support the talent and the mad skills and to anna hick for her creativity and genius video magic thank you you all rock